mountains. A passage which features Mount Sinai, the mount upon which the law was given. A passage which represents the old covenant. Or a mountain, I should say, which represents the old covenant. And then you have mention in verse 22 of Mount Zion. Mount Zion, sometimes used as a symbol for the city of uh, Jerusalem. أحياناً تستخدم يستخدم جبل كرمز المديني ككل. And here, what we have Mount Zion pointing to is God's grace, the new covenant, the new testament, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, and all that is associated uh, with uh, him. Uh, uh, with him. Look with me at Galatians chapter four and uh, verses twenty-four and twenty-five. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants: the one from Mount Sinai, bearing children for bondage, who is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. The giving of the Ten Commandments could be regarded as the most notable event, could be regarded as the most notable event in the Old covenant. The people had just been brought out of Egypt. The Lord appeared to them, manifested himself to them, gave them his uh, law. Now, the most notable event of the old covenant, how does it compare to the new covenant? One of the key words in the book of Hebrews is the word better. Uh, what is given in the new is better. What is given with Christ is uh, better. Now what was given in the Old Testament was from God. And in Second Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says that that ministry was a glorious ministry. It pointed to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Jesus came, is it important to cling to the old and neglect the new? We do not forsake the Old Testament. It is God's Word. It is God's Word and should be regarded and respected as such. But there were people from a Jewish background in the time of the writing of this letter who had heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and who had responded to some extent to this message. And they were being persecuted by their kinsmen according to the flesh. And there was this temptation to turn away from the message of Christ to return to that which is old. How important is a sign pointing us in the right direction? Very important. 
But when you reach your destination, you should realize that this is the heart of the matter. Not go back and say, I rejoice in the sign. I rejoice in the sign as something that serves its purpose in a most useful way, in a most beneficial way, God-given way, blessed way. But to arrive at the destination, that's the purpose. That is the heart of uh, the uh, matter. And so, the writer is telling these people, you should not turn away from the heart of the matter in order to cling to what was given in the Old Testament when the purpose of what was given in the Old Testament is to point to Christ. Uh, was to point to Christ and to lead us uh, to uh, Christ. There is Mount Sinai, there is uh, Mount uh, uh, Zion. Now someone might say, is there not grace in the Old Testament? Of course there is, that's how people are saved. Is there not grace associated with the giving of uh, the law? Yes. And this is something people should understand. Because when you speak of the law, comprehensively, it includes all the sacrifices. And the sacrifices were the means by which people received forgiveness of sins, pointing, of course, to the great sacrifice, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is grace. And there was grace during Old Testament times. But you see, The time of the writing of the book of Hebrews was the time when the Lord Jesus had come. And to say at this time, I want to cling to the Old Testament, to the exclusion of Christ. Now you cannot do it. Now you cannot do it. Because those sacrifices... They were given by God and the people believed in them and they were absolutely the right thing for that time pointing to something to come. Now that the reality has come, one cannot say, oh, I like the system of sacrifices. It is gone. People might still offer those sacrifices, but it is no longer the same. It is not anymore what God has given. And to say at this time, I want to go back to the law, it's not the same as David saying, I believe in sacrifices. Moses, Abraham, those were given at that time, for that time, but not anymore at this time. Not anymore at this time. And therefore, in this passage, we don't hear about sacrifices. Because for them, at this point, to say, we'll go back and we'll believe in what God said about offering a sacrifice, that door is not open anymore. That is not valid anymore. That does not apply uh, anymore. 
And therefore to go back means that you are turning away from the message of Christ which you have heard. And to turn away from Christ is to find judgment and condemnation. Is to find judgment and, uh, and condemnation. To turn away from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is to encounter God as judge. And this same letter tells us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the last chapter, the last verse in this chapter says that our God is a consuming uh, uh, fire. To turn away from Christ means that I want to deal with God not in his mercy and grace, which appeared on the cross, but I want to deal with him as judge. I want to deal with him based on justice, righteousness, and holiness. And in such matters, if this is going to be the basis, then we fall short, and terribly uh, so. And terribly uh, so. So, what we hear uh, about over here is about a mountain which burns uh, with uh, fire. A mountain which burns uh, with uh, fire. Uh, we uh, uh, hear uh, about uh, blackness, darkness, and tempest. We hear about the sound uh, of a, a trumpet. All right, and uh, the writer uh, here is talking about something very powerful. Imagine someone. Doesn't this happen to you once in a while? Someone has a trumpet and they decide to play a trick on you. They walk up behind you until they're really close to your ear, but again, you don't notice them. And all of a sudden they go, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you, <laughs> all right, you have a minor heart attack. All of a sudden you jump higher than you ever did in your life. A powerful sound. A powerful uh, sound. The sound of a uh, uh, of a, a trumpet, the voice of uh, uh, of words, and he says that at the time they could not endure what was commanded. They said to Moses, "We've heard. Now you go and hear for us. Uh, you go and hear uh, uh, for us uh, the strength of God's voice, and not just that, the content." Uh, the difficulty to live up to the standards of God's holiness and righteousness, which are expressed in particular in the Ten Commandments. But also in other commandments as well. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You will love your neighbor as uh, yourself. How many of us have kept those two commandments, which remember are from the law? How many of us can say, that we have had no other gods before the Lord, that he has always been first, that he has always received the worship and the devotion which he rightfully deserves. And so the people said, if we hear the voice of the Lord again, we will die. Uh, we will uh, die. Fire and smoke and blackness thunder and lightning and 
whirlwind, and earthquake. And these are expressive of what it is to face the Lord when he deals with us in his capacity as judge. As a judge. By the deeds of the law, by works of righteousness, whatever they might be, the Bible says no flesh will be justified in his sight. Uh, in his sight. Moses, who was accustomed to uh, visions and manifestations of the Lord, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Remember how uh, Paul preached to Felix concerning righteousness, temperance, and, just, and judgment to come. Acts 24 and verses 24 and 25. And the Bible tells us that Felix trembled. He trembled because he had some idea. He had some conscience that was touched, that was stirred. He had some notion that he was a sinner. And that there would be a judgment upon him for his sin. You might say that the problem was that he didn't tremble enough. He should have trembled more. Or perhaps we might put it differently that this trembling did not lead to repentance and salvation. What did he say to Paul the Apostle? Uh, I'll hear you again again later on. I'll hear you again later on uh, concerning these uh, uh, matters. People make excuses. Sometimes what people do is that they create their own law. They create their own law. I remember Pastor Pierre once uh, saying, and this is he said it once, I don't remember when, and this has led to lots of jokes and remarks between the two of us over time. Uh, he said something about what, about he wanted to define his own meter, all right, in order for him to be able to say, I am two meters tall. <laughs> now, those of you who know Pastor Pierre know that he's not two meters tall. Uh, in fact, those of you know, who know Pastor Pierre, God bless his heart, uh, uh, he is such a kind soul, uh, know that he's far from being two meters tall. Uh, uh, and of course, being two meters tall is not, it's not important, uh, but it's just one of those things that is striking and visible and which people talk about. It's interesting that sometimes people try to say, I can be saved by my works, and I'm going to define the standard. And it's always useful to be able to define the standard. Because then you can justify whatever you like. Uh, you can justify uh, whatever you like. Suppose that one of my daughters does something wrong. And I blow my top. I explode like a volcano. All right? And then my wife might come and tell me, but you're not supposed to lose your temper like that. And I'll tell her, that wasn't losing my temper. That was standing up for what's right. <laughs> okay, so if I get to define my standard, then I will always what? I'll always give myself a passing grade, right? 
Uh, I'm thinking now as a teacher, I have a lot of grades that I need to hand in today. Uh, some of them have already been worked out, just a few more I need to work on. I can always give myself a passing grade, right? So that, for instance, the person who, let's say, comes to church once a year, will say to himself, they might not write it, but he will say to himself, coming to church once a year, that's good enough to please God. All right? The one who comes to church once every five years will say, the important thing is to go to church once in a long time. Five years, once every five years is good enough. And so what happens is that people rewrite the law to suit themselves. What happens is people say, hmm, I'm kind to people once in a while, that's enough. Now, if you come to them and tell them you should be more kind, they might say yes. But you see how it's a great advantage to write the law. But it's an advantage that we have no claim to. Because God is the lawgiver. He is the one who says what's right or wrong. I can define things the way I like, and I can call right wrong and wrong right, and the Bible speaks about this. I can call the uh, uh, sweet bitter and the bitter sweet. All right? But my calling things one way or the other doesn't change the reality which in this case is very much God-given. And we all fall short of the standard. We all fall short of uh, uh, the standard. If you want to go to heaven by your works, indeed, I say, this is theoretically possible. Be perfect. Be perfect. And as they say in Arabic, Alright? Be perfect. Kick the door of heaven and go in. You will have the right to be there. Because that's where perfection belongs. Except you are not perfect. And neither am I. You are very far from being perfect. And I am very far behind you. In this, uh, uh, in this matter. Uh, people can make all sorts of uh, excuses. The reality is, to deal with God as judge is a fearful thing. Is a uh, fearful uh, thing. Uh, they could not endure what was commanded, verse 20, and if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with uh, a spear. An animal wandering, wandering onto the mountain was supposed to be what? Was supposed to be killed. And it was supposed to be killed uh, from a distance. Alright? Uh, from uh, uh, a distance with a stone or a, or a, uh, or a spear. Alright? These days, anytime you say distance, people think of social distancing. <laughs> Alright? Uh, 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 the animal that wandered onto the mountain, you weren't supposed to grab it and kill it. You were supposed to hit it with a spear or with a stone. All right? Because the idea was what? The idea was that we are separate from God who is holy. We are defiled and we are sinners. And that sinfulness makes us far away from uh from uh, the Lord, uh, uh, from the Lord. 
the Bible says, uh, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who shall stand? The Bible says, enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Our story, our passage, is not a passage of one mountain. Thankfully, there is a second mountain. There is the mountain that speaks of God's grace, of God's uh, uh, love, uh, of uh, all that God has done unto us uh, from his uh, goodness. Mount Sinai, remember, was a mountain in the wilderness. And the wilderness is barren, the wilderness is unfruitful. The wilderness is a place of thorns and and thistles. It is not known exactly what the word Sinai means. Some people say it is possible that the word Sinai is actually derived from uh, words that refer to thorns, to thistles, to uh, brambles. Uh, to brambles. Uh, that's what it is to think of dealing with God as a judge. There is a better way, uh, the way of uh, the Lord uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, Mount Zion, which, remember, is sometimes used figuratively to represent uh, Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Jerusalem, first mentioned in the Bible as the city of Melchizedek, the great high priest. Melchizedek is mentioned in this letter, chapter 7, king of righteousness and king of uh, peace. David was the one who took the city. Before that, it was in the hands of the Jebusites when, uh, the, uh, when the people entered the land. And David's name means beloved, uh, Mahbub. Now, if you look at the Bible, let me mention these things quickly. Here and there, you see Jerusalem used as a symbol. As a symbol of what? God's reign, God's presence, his beauty, his power, his love and kindness, his righteousness, his joy, his perfection, his faithfulness, his glory, his blessings, his rest. All of these, we could look at them and see how in various places these are associated with this particular place. Not to say that there is some holy ground, all right, as if there is in the soil of the earth some kind of blessing in one place that does not exist in other uh, places. Uh, remember what I said, uh, Sinai uh, is a wilderness. Uh, Mount Zion, the Bible says, is beautiful for situation. Sinai uh, is uh, dark. Uh, the word Zion actually means sunny or shined, shined upon. Uh, God came upon Mount uh, Sinai for a short time, but the Bible says he dwells in Zion uh, forever. Uh, it is the city of the living God. Remember that Abraham uh, didn't look for a wilderness. 
Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker uh, is God. And when you think of uh, a city, you think of uh, a, a place of permanence. Think of Abraham and how he dwelt in tents. That was temporary. Uh, but the Lord uh, has something that is everlasting. Uh, a city in old times was often a place of security, walls and fortifications. Uh, uh, city was a place where people were close together and in fellowship with uh, each uh, other. A city was a place of provision. To this day and time, you hear people say, sometimes, who are not in Beirut, oh, my car broke down and there's a part and I was told I have to go to Beirut to get it. Uh, I have to go to uh, Beirut uh, to get it. Uh, you have come to... Mount uh, Zion to the city of the living uh, God. Uh, you have not come to fire and darkness, uh, to whirlwind, earthquake, to the voice of a trumpet and words which could not be heard. You have come to the Lord Jesus uh, Christ, to the city of the living God, to a uh, heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Now the Bible does speak of the angels in the Old Testament. The Bible does speak about the angels being associated with the giving of uh, uh, the law. Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 and verse 53, you have received the law by the disposition of uh, angels. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 says it was ordained by uh, uh, angels. But if we see angels in the Old Testament, we see them much more in the uh, New Testament. Uh, we see the angel coming to Zacharias and to Mary. We see the multitude of angels as, uh, appearing to uh, the shepherds. We see uh, the angel at the Garden of Gethsemane. We see the angels uh, at the uh, empty tomb. Angels are mentioned, uh, I think, Four times more, or something like that. In the Old Testament, once every 200 verses. In the New Testament, once every 45 uh, uh, verses. Angels mentioned in the Old Testament, first mention, keeping Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Whereas the angels in the garden, where the tomb of the Lord Jesus was, said to the woman, not stay away, but come and see. Come and see where uh, the Lord uh, uh, lay. Uh, where uh, the Lord lay. Remember how the Lord Jesus said, don't despise any of these little ones, because in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will be the heirs of uh, salvation. The angels in the Old Testament in some way signify unapproachability. Remember the veil of the temple? The veil between the holy place and the most holy place? One of the things that it had on it was cherubim, the angels. 
saying to people that you cannot come. But now we can come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The heavenly Jerusalem, verse 21, an innumerable company of angels. This is part uh, of what uh, God has given uh, to the general assembly. Now this is an unusual phrase. a Greek word that's only found here in the New Testament. It refers to a public meeting, and the public meeting is a somewhat serious meeting, but also at the same time uh, an occasion of celebration. For instance, and this would be true in those days as well, because in those days, just like these days, they had athletic games. Olympic Games are modeled on the Olympic Games of uh, the Greeks. So think of the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. It is a serious occasion, but it's also an occasion of celebration. An occasion of uh, celebration. An innumerable company of angels in glad celebration. Uh, uh, in glad uh, assembly, uh, in glad assembly, uh, uh, gladness and joy. There is joy in the presence of the angels. When one uh, sinner uh, returns to uh, the Lord, um, uh, Revelation chapter 5 uh, tells us of many angels round about the throne and with them thousands of thousands and ten thousands of ten thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was uh, slain. A great and happy gathering uh, of angels and others. A joyous uh, uh, gathering. Uh, Think of the feasts of the Old Testament. They were solemn, serious, but at the same time, they were meant to be Times of uh, gladness. Now, if these people who were from a Jewish background would say, Oh, Passover, oh, Pentecost, how much more is there to be glad about and to be celebrated now that all these things have found their fulfillment in the person of of Christ? Uh, You have come to a multitude of angels in joyous celebration. You have come to the church of the firstborn, uh, uh, of the uh, firstborn. In fact, this is uh, the church of the firstborn ones, uh, plural, which is the translation, if I'm not mistaken, in Arabic, and that is the accurate uh, translation. Uh, this is a reference to the believers. Now remember the firstborn, the way uh, things were in Old Testament times, and even without the arrangements of the Old Testament, it was, this was customary of the time, at the time, that the firstborn has special privileges, that the firstborn has special blessings, has special uh, uh, blessings. It's not always a matter of chronological, because remember, Esau was born before Jacob. And yet Jacob received uh, the uh, blessings. Uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, the Lord didn't go by uh, chronological uh, uh, order. Uh, now, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is the great Son of God. And first uh, in all things. 
and to him belongs all preeminence. Believers are firstborn because they are associated with the great firstborn, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with uh, Christ. Believers are each one of them firstborn because remember under the law the firstborn belonged to God in a special way. In a special way God said the firstborn is mine. And so what would happen when there was a firstborn? They would go and offer a sacrifice at the temple figuratively speaking, as if they are purchasing this firstborn from God because he belongs to God. And every one of God's children belongs to God in a very special uh, uh, way. Uh, born into his family, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. The church of the firstborns, each having a position of privilege and uh, inheritance. The church of the firstborns, written uh, in heaven. Written uh, in heaven. It does not matter what men may say upon the earth. Here are people facing persecution. Here are people being cast out of their homes and ostracized by their friends, no longer allowed to, let's say, enter the synagogue. It doesn't matter whether your name is written on the list of the synagogue. What matters more is whether your name is written in heaven. Whether your name is written in heaven. Savonarola was being burned at the stake and the representative of the Pope read this declaration, we separate you from what? We excommunicate you. We excommunicate you, we separate you from the church militant, that is the church upon the earth, the church that is fighting, active, confronting, dealing with wickedness and evil. We separate you from the church militant and from the church triumphant. From the church in heaven, the church that has ended its earthly labors and struggle and now is at rest. We separate you from the church militant and from the church triumphant. نحن نفصلك عن الكنيسي المجاهدي وعن الكنيسي المنتصرة. And Savonarola answered by saying you can separate me from the church militant. But you can never separate me from the church triumphant. عن الكنيسة المجاهدة بتقدروا تفصلوني لكن عن الكنيسة المنتصرة ما بتقدروا ما بتقدروا The church of the firstborns whose names are written in uh, heaven uh, 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 in heaven uh, the Bible says that I will not blot out their names from the book of life. The Bible says, I have engraved you on the palms of uh, my, uh, my hands. And you have come to God, the judge uh, of, uh, uh, of all. 
the judge has accepted us, the one who is supposed to maintain justice and righteousness, if the judge accepts you, who shall lay anything to the charge of uh, God's uh, elect? He accepts us as judge, yes, because his justice was satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. It's not the case that God has somehow changed and become more mellow, but rather that Christ has paid uh, the price, uh, has paid uh, uh, the price. Uh, who is he that condemns? The Bible also asks. It is Christ who died, yea, rather, who is risen again who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession uh, for us. You are coming to the spirits of just men made perfect, uh, made perfect, made uh, uh, righteous, uh, made righteous. Isaiah 54 and verse 17, their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Isaiah 61 and verse 10, uh, he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Jeremiah 23 and verse uh, 6, the Lord our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5:21, uh, he has made him who knew no sin uh, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God uh, in him. Uh, uh, in him to the spirits of just men not who have made themselves perfect but rather who have been made perfect unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood these are they who have come from the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb Reconciled to God, the judge of all. God has not forgotten his justice. It has not gone to sleep in, uh, somehow. Rather, we are righteous in Christ. We are accepted in uh, the uh, beloved. The spirit of just men made perfect. We should grow in righteousness day by day until that time comes when he appears and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he will present his church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and uh, without uh, blemish. Ezekiel chapter 16, the Lord tells Ezekiel, remind them, where they started. Remind them uh, where, where uh, they were in the sinfulness of uh, this world. And what is the end of God's people to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, uh, the righteousness of uh, the saints. The hymn writer says, Happy faces line the hallways, those whose lives he has redeemed, broken hearts that he has mended, those from prison he has freed, little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow, who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments, white as snow. Come now, the Lord says, let us reason together. 
Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The spirits of just men made perfect. And we need to remember that God will not just work with the spirits and souls, but will redeem the body as well. This is what Mount Zion can do for you. Can Mount Sinai do this? Can Mount Sinai uh, do this? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, The law has a shadow of things to come, and the sacrifices offered under its arrangements can never make those who come perfect. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11, Every priest stands and ministers, and he offers the same sacrifices, but they cannot take away sins. But this man, Christ, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, for by one offering you, uh, uh, he has perfected forever them uh, that are sanctified. You have come unto Jesus, the mediator of the uh, new covenant, the Savior. Thou wilt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Job said, where is the daysman? Where is the mediator? The Bible tells us there is one God and one mediator between Christ and uh, between God and man, the man uh, Christ Jesus, uh, the man uh, Christ Jesus, the mediator of the uh, new uh, covenant. Uh, Moses, the Lord used him to give the old covenant, and Moses was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are glad and thankful for all that Moses did, but Christ far better. But Christ uh, far, uh, far better. Moses offered sacrifices. The Lord Jesus offered himself. Himself. Uh, to the blood of sprinkling, which speaks better things than the blood uh, of, uh, of Abel. There was a, a sprinkling of blood under the Old Testament, such as uh, on the day of pa uh, on, on uh, Passover, but also at other times. But also at uh, uh, at other times, better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out for what? The blood of Abel cried out for judgment. That's what the Lord said to Cain. He said, the blood of your brother cries out from uh, the ground. And uh, the Lord Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees that all the righteous blood shed upon the earth will come upon you from the blood of Abel unto uh, Zechariah who was slain in the temple, between the temple and uh, the altar. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cries out for forgiveness. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from uh, sin, uh, cleanses us uh, continually. It speaks in a continuous tense. The blood of Abel and the shedding of that blood. And all that resulted from it was what? The driving away of Cain from God. Now, of course, of course, the heart of Cain, 
the unrepentant heart of Cain played a, a, a great role in what we are uh, referring to. Uh, uh, in what we are referring to. But the blood of Abel did speak what? Did speak of judgment and separation. The blood of Christ brings us, uh, brings us uh, to God. Abel, the first one who died. And he died a martyr. Righteous Abel. But how much more righteous Jesus. Righteous uh, uh, Jesus. A blood that cried from the earth for judgment, but the blood of Christ cries in heavenly places for our mercy and for uh, uh, for God's mercy to us and for uh, his uh, and for his uh, grace all these things are our portion under the covenant of grace under the Lord Jesus Christ the captain of uh, our uh, salvation it's interesting to look on in the passage, and I just want to speak of one thing, all right, that is mentioned in verses 25 through 29. The fact that some things are shaken and removed. In our day and time, we're experiencing things, I think, we haven't experienced them before in our lifetime. And one of the things that we've learned in the last few months is that certain things that we take for granted can be shaken and can be removed. But we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. We receive grace and blessing which the Lord gives to us the Bible says his gifts and his calling are without repentance. No reversal. No change. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my words and believes on him that, uh, uh, that has sent me has everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, is passed from death unto life. Is passed irreversibly from death uh, unto life. This passage reminds us of where we were and where we are. And where we are, it's good to remember where we are. We are in God's blessings and in God's favor. And in God's favor, sometimes we forget that. There's this amusing thing that I learned uh, that I learned. You know how people in Lebanon always think, oh, I wish I could go to France. Oh, I wish I could go to England. Oh, I wish I could go to the U.S. I wish I could go to Australia. And then what happens is you talk to your friends in Egypt, Brother Bamdur and others, and they start talking about, we wish we could come and visit you in Lebanon. And then you say to yourself, wait a minute, they're talking about Lebanon the way that I usually talk about France <laughs> and, and England and the U.S. and Australia and all those other places. And all those other places. Um, we need to remember that where we are 
right now in the midst of difficulties, we have, re we have received so many blessings. Right now, we have received so many blessings. We have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. Other things can be moved. That's what uh, uh, the Bible says. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Bible says, is it Isaiah chapter uh, 54, perhaps? And uh, uh, verse, uh, verse, let me see if I can find it quickly. Should have. Uh, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. Isaiah 54, 10. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Some things can be shaken, and some things remain. We receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us therefore serve God acceptably. Serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Oh, I don't have time to serve God. In these difficult times, I need to take care of myself. No, in these difficult times and at every time, God will take care of you. And, the, and Queen Elizabeth told the man who she wanted to send on a mission, and he said, what will happen to my business? He said, she told him, you take care of my business, and I'll take care of yours. And I will take care of yours. We have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, which cannot be moved. Let us serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings which you give. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord, because we do not have to come unto you in your capacity as judge. But we can come unto you as our Father. We can come unto you in the person of Christ and be accepted before you as if we are him. We thank you because you have bestowed this grace and righteousness upon us. We thank you because in this matter we have received a kingdom which cannot be moved or shaken. And so we pray that you would encourage each heart, strengthen us to serve you acceptably. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.